Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. There's a bit of a thunderstorm outside right now, so hopefully it doesn't annoy oh, me. Yeah. There's a storm in your area too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my area is brewing with thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm East London, so I don't know, it must be a big one. East London, oh, you live in East London, oh. Yeah, dude. Cool, cool, cool. How are you doing? I'm doing well, yeah. Uh... I'm being good, actually. Thank you for asking. So, so today there will be a bit small changes. So we won't be too precise. We can just talk about games as a service. We we really unsure about what whales or hardcore gamers think. Like we can't represent them, basically. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah. When I say games as a service, I'm talking about specific games that say are currently in development, but they claim to be full releases. Um, so, yeah, I hope you clarify it for you. Yeah, okay, I hear that. Um, the, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, let me know when we're ready and I'll see how it goes. Okay, um, so we're, we're going to be live in... Um, let's say one minute. So we have one minute to prepare. Sure thing. Yeah. So, um, do you, you do you have any questions you want to ask? Um, I don't really have a plan. I'm, pro- I'm just gonna, <clears throat> don't really have a plan. So I'm just gonna probably wing it. Um, but mm-hmm. I will stick to the topic. Um, uh, obviously I've, I've played a lot of games, so I will try my best with it. Um, okay then. Is there anything in particular you want me to brush on other than, you know, like uh, free-to-play games and stuff like that? Um, I, I, in the topic, I think that's specific. Uh, games as a service. Oh, Adrian's there. Adrian's there. What's up? Hey, what's How up? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? That's great. I'm doing well as well. Yeah, I'm not yeah. too bad. Nice to see you, man. Nice to see you too. Been a while. I know, right? We've all been busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> we have been working like non-stop. I work night shifts normally, so. Oh, yeah, twelve-hour night shifts, like all over London. They said me. Four-hour night shifts, damn. Twelve, twelve-hour. Oh, twelve-hour, damn. Twelve-hours, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, outside is thunderous in my area. Sorry, yeah, I'll just one in my area as well. I don't, I don't know if you can hear it, but. Hey, London. Who's <laughs> that? Other, other last, last week or two weeks ago, uh, yeah. my, area was, my area was flooded. Yeah. Even my home was flooded as well. I was trying to go to Quirin from the other side of London. And. Um, Literally, as soon as I get to the train station, everything is uh, not working. Every single line is down. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I look at the news that night. Every single thing is, like, flooded. Like, the whole road, all the cars are floating down the road. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Even even our homes, not just our home, but all our neighbours in my area, uh, their homes are flooded. Their homes are flooded. Wow. Yeah. I live on a hill, so I should be fine. <laughs> it wasn't a pleasant moment at all, but yeah. whatever happens, happens. 
Yeah, and technically speaking, the consuls would be um, doing compensations because normally you pay taxes. This like a water filtering systems for the rain and or thunder. Um, but they didn't. They didn't bother do any of that. So I think it's their fault. Honestly speaking, uh, I heard, like, I don't want to go off topic, but it's interesting to talk about flooding because there was a report, uh, sorry, I think there was a WikiLeaks report about how the Tory government under Tony, sorry, not Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> more about Tony Blair, guys. <laughs> yeah, Tony yeah. Blair. David Cameron was funding money uh, into uh, its defense rather than using the funds, domestic funds, to actually paying councils to have, you know, this, you know, this floodgates, you know, in certain areas like Northumberland, they have special flood barrier. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they added those of River Thames, I believe. River Thames, yeah, I wrote River Thames. Yeah. They didn't do any maintenance to it because they couldn't they were cutting they were cutting funds to the councils local councils and they couldn't put out manpower to maintain those floodgates now oh, well, yeah. i think it was back in 2017 was a disastrous um, we had rain for an entire week and the whole i think Northumberland area was flooded and it was said in the government report later on that was classified government report, which is leaked, right? It said that it could have been prevented if the uh, Tories didn't do major cuts. Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually true, though. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, and it's quite funny because now we're seeing something like with the you know the COVID since since you know those contract COVID contract for for PPE and. Um, I mean, Boris and Hancock, they both just got uh, sent those contracts to the friends, to the Eton friends. I mean, the Eton mess. <laughs> Sorry, I just quite don't do this. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, very, crazy. Very. All right, then. Um, somebody else? How many joined? Oh, there's supposed to be one more guy. The other guy is supposed to be a game designer, but he hasn't joined. Uh, what's uh, the name? Ashmet. He, he, oh, he did a podcast on this before. I see. So I need to see if he's willing to come. He says he's been running late again. Unfortunate. Unfortunate, yeah. Uh yeah yeah, so if he can't can't come in one minute, well, yeah we can start and then he can just maybe come in when uh, when, when he's available maybe. When he's available, do you want to like invite the entire game society into the broadcast? To see who is available. Uh, I, 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 yeah <laughs> yeah, you can do uh, a link to listen in. Yeah, sure. We yeah, can do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now I think broadcast like we can invite people on in, but I don't think 
Uh, no, actually, because this is a recording, it's when the recording's finished, it will be uploaded to um, major platforms, major podcast platforms. We could technically share it, and so so if people think it's an interesting podcast, listen to though uh, we could advertise and say, well, welcome people to join this gaming podcast in the future because. People don't know we have a gaming podcast, and for me, oh, yeah, that's true. Writing it like oh, saying this announcement, some people may be a bit precurious, saying why are you sending us a podcast link? Like we're not sure about what this podcast is about beforehand. So yeah, I think it on, yeah. on people if we just send a bro, uh, send a link and they can join, but. They don't know exactly. They would be asking lots of questions. What's this podcast for? Sure thing. Yeah. So, but we're going to be. Um, how about this? We scream to discuss the topic, um, in one minute's time. Uh, so, Aju, um, can I explain to you what's the topic? Sorry, I couldn't clarify it on Discord. Go ahead. Yes. So the topic is about games as a service model and how do gamers perceive it and just just opinions. We discuss what current games that what are not games as service and within paid model or free to play model. Okay, yeah. That sounds very, in well, very interesting for me. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. All right. University games. Please say hello to the audience, um, Tarek and Ajo. Hello, nice hello. to meet you. Hello, all. Thank you for tuning in. This is Tarek here. The other voice is Ajo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, thank you, guys. So now we're going to be answering, outlining what what the topic at hand is. So we're going to be discussing a general free discussion about there's no strings attached in this discussion. So it's there's no script behind it. So that we're going to be answering the question: games as a service and its perceptions that gamers have on the gameplay models of games as a service versus other forms of models, current models. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me quickly briefly explain it to some podcast listeners and, and the guest speakers who may not fully understand what game as a service. So what game as a service essentially is, is a fully released game that does is unfinished. A fully released game that is unfinished as has a roadmap to how the games will be completed. So um, a good example of this is Destiny, Bungie's um, Destiny 2 and 1, both. So, so what exactly is you mean by games as a service model? Well, 
according to the games publishers, they outline games as service, uh, a product service that is always online and features the like usual microtransactions, cosmetics, and extra maps, extra services that depends on players' choices of purchase within the game. So, oh my gosh, sorry about that. Like, thunder just. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're in London. There's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not ideal, but thanks. So, yeah. So, I, I almost forgot one more thing about games as service. A games as a service model doesn't strictly stand to free-to-play games. So, free-to-play games, there are free-to-play games that doesn't have uh, games as a service model. For example, um, games like Among Us, you heard of Among Us, um, games like, um, well, uh, second, another example, let me think which other online service that is a game as service. Sorry, no, that is not a game as service. Sorry. You got Fortnite? That's not a game of service, is it? Um. That is a peculiar one. Some people, some game designers in the industry argue it's a game as a service. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's a peculiar one. Very good point, Tarek. Um, the other what one. Mario Kart. Mario Kart Online. Uh, you mean the old one? Um, well. oh, okay, so Mario Kart servers are not exactly game as a service. Um, but funny thing, Splatoon is considered a game as a service. Oh, Splatoon, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Splatoon 2. And what's interesting about games as a service is that in the current industry, it's heavily promoted, not, by, not just by the game publishers, but the games designers and game developers themselves. That's the interesting thing. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. So um, let's take a look at what's, and what's the rules that formulate what requirements make a game as a service. So first of all, the common thing that games as a service games have in common is that they are always online, either single-player game or multiplayer game. However, the, the, because the boundaries in this like games as service is not like in science where everything is fundamentally set, it's very fluid, like the quote in the fluid or something. So the boundaries may change a bit. So in multiplayer games, uh, massively multiplayer games doesn't really really fall into games as a service model, uh, essentially. But it depends on what contents they offer. So a, a example is like World of Warcraft. It's, it has it's bordering games as service, but it's not games as a service. Um, I think from what I read on Gamma Sutra, the person of Philip Cavill, Cavill, not Cavill, Philip Cavill, he said 
Blizzard themselves specifically had subscription fees attached to World of Warcraft after level 29 means that it's not essentially games as a service because you are paying a subscription fee and you're expected to have this amount of fixed or more rewards. In game as a service model, he argued, is that there is ambiguity with the world. There is nothing said. There is only promises made. Okay, I hope this clarifies it. Sorry, guys, you can flee, freely chip in anything. You can question me, my legitimacy of my research. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm what I'm getting from it is that uh, essentially games as a service is any game that uh, essentially uh, the developers will keep putting more money into over time and that people will have to keep sort of buying into over time. Is that essentially right? Yes, that that's uh, correct. Um, correct. Yes, that's correct. That's the gist, the fundamental commonality. Yeah, so the game developers were being investing, putting more money and so-called special events, they call it, to the game. Like, you heard of the idea of season passes and special limited time events, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. DLCs yeah. and such. DLCs, yeah, special DLCs. These yeah. classify as game-as-a-service methods, but... Um, the the funny thing with games as a service so is that there are games that feature DLCs that are not games as a service. So a good example is um, Tekken Seven. Unfortunately, it's not a game as a service because um, the, there is uh, even though the the DLCs they promise stuff and so be pre, like pre-order bonuses they call it. Um, but there is a set, like there's a set contract with the player. So, so, so the developers at Bandai Namco, they understand what to be provided. So they're not going out to like offer you additional stuff on top of that DLC. That's what I'm saying. So in essentially games as service is basically personalizing people's play, they call it. The, they basically, instead of you customizing what you want to play, the game developers at themselves decide that for you. I see. So, yep. so and like I've spoken to some so-called gamer advocates and some people who are web friends from the industry who disliked it. So I, I, I spoke to. Um, I spoke to Jim Sterling's um, friend, who is called Frank Mills. Um, mm. Yeah, but the, they broke off because they, the Frank Mills is part of Escapist magazine. So he offered me what he thinks about games as a service. He he said about to me, essentially, games as a service is um, is not a product. They're not selling your product. The, they're selling you a service, as in a long-term service or a short-term service, and essentially you don't own the product. What's shocking to him? He's told me you don't own the product that you're buying or paying. Right. Would yeah. you think? Would you think that her idea? You invest time in a game, and you let's just don't own the product. Yeah, I mean, 
thing with this is that oh my gosh i don't know if you guys can hear that thunder below. yeah I, yeah i can hear it i can hear it clearly <laughs> so, i can hear it clearly. must be right in the thick of it i'm I, also I, sure if you can hear it from my from my end as well i i think when i said that it's, i think god may have heard it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. God doesn't like this game yeah, as a service true. idea. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I was thinking that the way that it, uh, the the kind of meta with making a business succeed these days is to like fake it till you make it, and so there's a lot of clarity that is completely lost in modern day like transactions, which is yeah. just unfortunate for the person paying for it. But ideally. Um, I feel like it should be games should be exactly what they say on the tin. You know, it should be yeah, exactly. if you're buying a game that you know you have to pay for once and then you have the full game. That's what it should be. Yeah. If it's a free to play game that has in game purchases that aren't mandatory, like it's not just straight up pay to win. You know, it should be you know advertised as such. But that's a great. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Sorry, Adrian, continue. Yes. No, no. Um, no, it was Tarek, not me. Yeah, Tarek. no. Um, Tarek. That's you know that's how that clarity should be there. I I didn't like how in like for example you've got Destiny, um, which essentially has what three missions, uh, and it's a three out of ten game at most until you get the DLCs and then it becomes an eight or a nine out of ten. But you have to pay full price for these DLCs as well, and that's just not advertised anywhere. I feel that like that's the wrong way to go about it. Hmm, that's a, yeah. why that happens all the time. That actually happens all the time. Thank you. Um, so, in response to Tarek's concern, yes, Destiny actually did that, and that would be considered predatory consumer practices. Um, I, I know a bit of this because I w watched YouTube videos about um, a gamer, so-called gamer rights. There, were, there are certain attorneys that specifically, um, like, I'm surprised at all. There are specific attorneys now that as in lawyers that specialize in tackling lawsuits against the game industry. So no, they're representing the consumer, not the businesses, I mean. So yeah. they give us a terminology list about, they basically deconstruct the, the semantics field, the, the advertisement field, like they call it, like um, when they advertise games as a service, so so this fits into how games as a service is like how to help us identify games of service easily. So, what so one of the lawyers on YouTube who who called the uh, um Hermes Law, some yeah he claims that the game design so not game designers game publishers like um when they talk about a game like when you sometimes in advertisement they say like for, for for the game will fulfill your dreams or something they make some outlandish practices like yeah. game is like revolutionary this is like um nothing seen on graphics or or they have some like some game companies would do this they would have a reviewers um writing or, or some some fake review or something for this game that is yeah. not out that say this game is five out of ten or something this is like gorgeous graphics or this game is like uh something out of the extraordinary or something to boast and hype the game so mm -hmm. so just they told be aware 
these companies may these companies would be likely to pursue games as a service model more than other developers. Yeah. Uh, I, yes. I guess it is kind of a red flag if you see something like that. I'm I'm quite um uh I had yeah, a couple to make there, more like. Yeah, I, I had a couple points to make, but now I'm just thinking that it's it's quite funny that The Last of Us 2 got so many awards despite many people not actually liking the game that much um that's one probably one of the only examples where i've seen as a game as a service um or a, a game that hasn't been a game as a service be treated like that um a lot of them do follow that model that you talked about but that one seems to be an outlier but i was yeah. gonna say that i feel like it's more okay for smaller businesses to do it because you know it's I mean, it, it's kind of common sense that the kebab shop next to your house isn't the best kebab shop in the whole UK, like they say on the sign. Like, of course it's not. Um, <laughs> no. But if it's like a very big, well-known thing um, and they have ridiculous claims, it makes it a lot more difficult to discern. Yeah. They just want to mark. They just want to market their products in, in in such a way to make it more like okay. Say for appeal. example, say for example, like they they want they want to use the skills of. Pers- persuading people like you know like something like okay let's say for example something like you know like deceiving yeah yeah like deception things if like you that. play this game you'll get a girlfriend and she will be <laughs> uh, yeah Just that's like also one of the one of the well things they will say <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah get this game and you get this and that and that and, that, and all kinds of bullshit uh, yeah, they they do in a way just to like all all because of one thing, money, because they they, they want they, they just want money from people, and that that's why they they market in a way to like like deceiving people to like buying their products, um, especially using especially by using well well false advertisement of the product. Yeah, I agree, but a uh, quick a quick objection so. The game companies themselves, plus the game developers, say it's not false advertisement because they're not directly promoting you to buy. Like, say, I will solve you problem. So, so currently, the laws are saying these are not false promotions because um, they're not saying you go outside a buy or implying go outside a buy. Uh, what about what about the times that uh, okay? When the okay, when the game companies well advertised the the game that they just recently made or released, is on on stuff like TV on posters or whatever, and they're showing you some like some sort of graphics and well some sort of gameplay or graph or video of especially of the graphics of the game. But once you once you buy the buy the game, that like you 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 in fact notice that that the graphic the graphics. <laughs> Isn't pretty much similar to what you what you saw when it's advertised. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, the funny yeah, thing is, there's issues um, like that as well. I personally consider. I agree with you, Angel. I consider it's false advertisement or basically scamming, scam tactic. Yeah. But, yeah. Scam tactics. Yeah. But the law, unfortunately, uh, the justice system, unfortunately, cannot keep up with the tricks that game companies do. And that, and let me tell you something. Mobile game companies does even more of this shady things to, to just get people to play or 
download or buying up purchases. Oh, purchases. yeah, exactly. And it, it's funny. Yes, continue. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, so I was the one interrupting. Sorry. I, I was about to say, well, I was going to say that, uh, based, okay, based on what you were saying, it, yeah. this is what I just rem- remembered. So, yeah, there were some, uh, there were some mobile mobile app games that I, that I played it was, well, like a while ago and then I uninstalled them because well, there are times I install and then I uninstall the games once I had enough of them um, and and when they advertised that same mobile mobile game that, that you played before but they advertised it in, in such a way that, that that none of this thing that they showed actually exists in that game yeah mm. so, yeah and, and that and that actually Raise, raise that that literally is a, well a red flag i could say that's that's in fact one of the examples of the scam tactics that they use to get people yeah. to like install the games and such and this is and this is exactly what what we need to consider that does happen quite a lot and i i, I do think i need to look into a little bit more um how how often uh, these game companies get fired? Because I remember uh, once or twice, there were actually some uh, presentations at like E3, I believe, um, where a game was promoted using beta footage of another game. And then on release, it was a complete, like, like it was a completely different game for one, but also it was very loot box based. It was very pay to win, but in a way that it was mostly just it was literally just taking your money. There wasn't even really much of a game behind it. It was just, yo, give us money. <laughs> like, yeah, the game that they showed was money. completely different. And I think uh, the, the company went out of business very, very quickly afterwards. So, uh, yeah. I wonder how often that does happen because, and I know exa- I, I know for a fact that the, the landscape in the legal place is getting better, but it's still very primitive. Like, the people at the top looking at these court cases are in their 90s, 70s to 90s. Well, it always happens. Yeah, most of them are thinking, oh, these are for kids, why should we care? Or if not, then they're thinking how to even turn on their PC at this point, let alone bloody, (laughs) Um, you know, solving issues around them. So, yeah, um, it's something that's coming more and more to light, how much of a problem that uh, these, these schemes are... It kind of only seem to exist to take money from uh, ga- uh, consumers and people that want to play an honest game. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's a great um, reply to Aegeus, Christian, Tarek. Well done. That's a great um, summary. I mean. um, yeah, so I totally agree with your guys' stance and suspiciousness of these game-as-a-service tactics. But um, uh, going back to our points, right? So some of these scummy tactics, you know, they, of course, in the law, I agree. The law still being controlled by a lot of boomers. Um, yeah, boomer ages people. Um, who unfortunately, and let me tell you, a lot of them can't even type. I bet they don't even touch digital stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a worrying prospect. You have outdated law people who who are updating the law at one, who is letting letting it go away. Interesting thing, it's not just in law, but in the regulation board for games as well. 
let's talk about the most scummiest thing that Peggy system has done. So, so Peggy system, what I have done is like recently, in Britain wants you to appease to Japanese government a lot. So they, so so in order to do this, they decided to um, do this uh, in last year. So in November, they just because apparently. Britain was having negotiations with Japan, right? So it makes it sound better for the businesses, like tech businesses. They decided to like um, help because, like normally, mobile games are never quantified, like officially given a uh, age rating or a uh, parental guideline in the UK when it comes to mobile games, right? Uh, our and Japanese console games, right? There's no official ones. It, the only way they could do it is through Sony, through a big publisher. So now, now that Japanese indie publishers could publish to UK independently from Sony. So what that happened down is that the so-called regulators, not the Japanese developers themselves, right? The Japanese developers, indie developers, themselves, they know their English and localization is going to be crap going to be crap, right? So the, the Peggy regulators, for some reason, when they were reviewing the games, like, there's a game, like, the two examples. Hello? 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 Yeah. yeah. Did you disconnect? Uh, I think Ajo may have disconnected. I could hear everything, though. All right, I see. Okay, so uh, no worries. Are you okay now? Everyone's okay, Ajo. Hey, Joe. Uh, I guess his Wi-Fi will uh, fix up. Uh, oh, yes. Never mind. So back to the wrong point. This thing. I can't hear. I can't hear anyone. Oh, there he is. Hello. Can you hear us? Hello. 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 Never mind. It's, it's probably is due to the storm because like. The amount of times this happens with like transport as well, due to like Wi-Fi and stuff happening, it's yeah. So as soon as the storm lets up, we'll probably have less of these. Um, but while we do, I guess we'll just carry on, right? Um, yes, carry on. Yeah. Okay. So we're saying so some of the Japanese indie studios, like there's a A2, A2, and like Idol Studios, they both presented the game. They're basically the same game. But Peggy System gave them one of them an age rating 16 and another AJ rating 12. And let me tell you the spurious reasons they gave. Why the other game has an age rating of 12 and the other one has age rating of 16. Mm-hmm. So they both are game. Have you heard of the game Ani Chambara? The fan 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 service game. It's independently published so mm-hmm. when you got a release in britain right it has like so shady graphics right so um there's two versions actually but both the funny thing with only chambara the game is that the game is not totally full there's another game is those two companies used to make a game on the Xbox 360 back in 2006 so um but their studio split so now but both companies own the same IP, right? So there's one game that is on mobile and console. Oh, sorry, not console. One on mobile and other ones on PC and on Steam. 
So the mobile one for got an age rating of 12. Uh, it's called Only Chabara Z's. Z and the idol, the, the uh, sorry, only Chambara idol Z and the PC version is called only Chambara revive or something. So, um, the PC and the sorry about AJ, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you now. Well, I just, I just rejoined. I don't okay, know what just happened. I, I don't know. I'm sorry about that. The connection has been wonky because of the thunderous storm from juice. Oh man, I'm oh, sorry, yeah. dude. I'll try again next time. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, yeah, my iPad charger just well broke into pieces, so I need to buy a new one. Oh, oh, good, good, good luck with finding a new one. Oh wait, what happened there? Holy crap! <laughs> what happened? Oh, that's not simply okay. Now everyone does break an iPad. How did this happen? Did you like drop it from like a very very short height? No, I didn't. I didn't drop it. I didn't drop anything. Like it literally just snapped. I don't know why. Oh, man. Dang. <laughs> Fair enough. Is all cutting his iPad in half like a sandwich? I guess it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. All right. But yeah. Yeah. Soon I'll. I'll buy more. Basement. Okay. Cool. I'll buy a new. Well. White, no worries. Uh, iPad charge for the iPad charger. Fair enough. Cool. Um, Adrian, um, let me help you recap about what you missed so far. So what I was saying, I was talking about the Peggy system, how the disingenuous the parental guidance rating system Britain has. Um, so the so what happened essentially is back in twenty twenty. So uh, uh, I don't remember exactly the day of the date, but I remember it's in November when when there's two games by the same two studios who used to own the same IP, but they split up because of disagreement, etc. They own the same IP but they publish it on different platforms and different games with certain different content. So basically what happens is um, the Peggy Systems reviewer, I think Robert something, Robert Malone, I think, uh, Robert, he, he did reviews of the same two games and they were looking at the same criteria. Like both, the, the Peggy claims that they, there's no biases in the age rating for the game. So essentially, one of the studios, Idol Star Studios, published the mobile version of the game, and the other original studio, I think Z, Z Nation Studio, I, I can't remember the exact studio, but they published Only Chambara, which is a fan service zombie grew um, hack and slash game. And um, it was on Steam. It was published on Steam. Mm. And the interesting thing about the game is that um, the Steam version, the Steam and the console version, they both were given the age rating of 16 plus, while the mobile game version was given 12 plus, or in America, Peggy 13 above, like etc. Teen, teenage, teenager rating. Um, so why is there this? dissonance between these reviews so well, with different outcomes. So I look at what Robert's reasoning gave. They claim that in only Chambara, 
that there are so many bloods and spurious blood in it. That's why, because there is strong gore and there is strong sense of like bodily contact, bodily fluid contact on screen, that it may be disturbing for children. Mm. But 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 the game wasn't designed for children. Like for example, if the game is twelve plus, it's not designed for children, right? Children is seven plus. So um, but for the mobile version, right? They give that company twelve plus, and uh. the reason is they claim that this is a similar game. They say it's the similar game that ported from Japan was the same amount of poor localization. Actually, he claimed that the mobile version had better localization for the text than the Steam version and the console combined. Okay, so understandable. But the one reason they say, even though the mobile version downscreen, downsized, so that it fit for a mobile screen, they removed more of the blood splatter. And they, he claimed that red can frighten people. So, very <laughs> <laughs> so, red, dude. Oh no. No, no, so, so, so if a person got hit and they flew to the ground and they disappear, they vanish. It's it should be because the mobile version it has the VFX where when the one the zombie get locked off they disintegrate into the ground right they become right. acid disintegrate um, in the um, in the PC version because they have more power right PC and console have much more power than mobile phone right so they have more blood splatter and body decapitation they claim he claimed that bodily decapitation just instantly makes this game 16 plus yet in the mobile game there's an option for you to have decapitation it's just that in the Western version, it's in the settings, and the settings, some of them are not localized. He didn't even mention that some of them wasn't even localized in the mobile version. Some of them still work in progress. Like, like for some reason, how this ties in the game as a service? Because I noticed the so-called zombie girl game is free to play as opposed to the Steam version. And it's based on the idea that you can download now and there will be content added on later, surely. So it technically, sorry, um, the mobile game of the Oli Chambara does fall into, does fall into game as a service model, but just, so justly, um, the Steam version are paid. Steam and the, the Steam version and the console version, the Xbox console, PS4 versions are all paid. They cost like forty pounds or in American dollars, fifty dollars and more. Um, they the PC version was given sixteen plus, but the mobile version, which is exactly the same game, mind you, but with downgraded graphics and visual effects, is given twelve plus. And I read some of the Roberts comments. It's really just for me. I personally think it's this. It doesn't make any difference. I think. Personally speaking, it should be given 16 plus for both if they want to make it that case. It's an interesting one for sure. I mean, it does sort of 
open up another conversation um, with just mobile gaming in general. Um, over there, you've got a way, way more examples of games as a service. Everything and its mom is basically just microtransactions. Very easy for your five-year-old son to download because he saw an ad on it on YouTube or he just saw it when scrolling through. Very, very easy for them to download. But then once they're in it, it's also very easy for them to pick up mom's credit card. Yes. Um, yeah, that as well. Yeah. To say, oh, mom, I just want this one little thing. And then, you know, as opposed to paying it all up front. Yes, out of control spending. Yeah. yeah. Like I've heard, I've heard uh, very recently, actually, a situation where my uh, co-worker, he's got a 10-year-old daughter. And oh, um, she was left alone, uh, just playing Roblox. Nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary for them. But something out of the ordinary did happen. Uh, because when they checked, they were a good two, it was either 200 or 800, what? 800 pounds down due to daughter wanting to get some Robux. Oh. <laughs> Robux, Robux. Um, so obviously she's now been banned, but this is what I mean when we say, you know, a lot of games are now designed to trick children. Um, oh into treating the game as a game as a service as opposed to a free-to-play game that the parents don't need to care about. You know, there's also situations as as this one, like, for example, there were kids playing Fortnite and they spent their parents' money on, like, you know those, like, V-Bucks, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that actually happened all the time as well. All the time. You hear it all the time. Yeah, all the time. That's just insane. It's crazy. And, you know, they, they can run away with that money because they didn't do anything illegal, technically. They didn't, you know, advertise to minors. They didn't do this. They didn't do anything. It just uh, The manager just wanted the cool thing that happened to cost money, you know? Um, and you can't really do that as much with a console game because, you know, you're playing it on a big TV, you know, mom and dad already paid a lot of money to, like, hold the physical copy and give to you for your birthday, you know. So it's a lot more difficult to get away with, with practices like that. Um, but with mobile games, because it's also quite a very, it's, it's quite a new market um, compared to console industries, um, there's way more margin for exploitation and... Uh, you know, sloppiness um, in terms of, you know, keeping games just and uh, and fair for the consumer. Yes. Yeah. Great. Great. Great conversation. Great points made there. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, exactly. This opens up this conversation, which indeed opens a can of worms that is untapped by literally Jason Schreier and the so-called game journalists who are supposed to be reporting this, but instead they're under the payroll of these uh, game publishers or Japanese gata companies. Yeah, uh, definitely on the rise. I actually know, I forget what I said about gata because these Western publishers also adopted the idea of gata system to their own games as well. So it's not exclusively Japanese in their world. So look at the Chinese game market or the Korean game market. They've been using gotcha way before gotcha or the what gotcha mean? The mean pachinko machines. So gotcha system 
uh, in the free-to-play and console games and PC games, a, a massive online multiplayer games, even at least half a decade earlier than the Western market. So um, I, I could give you one of my examples about uh, what I read online where this was a Tencent in China. There was a Tencent Tencent, I'm I'm ORP. I think is Kings of Glory. Some it's basically a knockoff of League of Legends, mm. and it has a gotcha skin system. So basically, you you basically pay premium currency with a high risk of getting nothing or not rare skin that that you want. So essentially, you're going to be paying like maybe like two hundred dollars or more for a skin. Or or eighty dollars at least minimum for one skin, one limited time skin. And um, there was a case where this was underage minor who was exactly twelve plus who who was within the glo- glory of kings, uh, kin- glory of kings, you know, like limitations for age limitations, right? So he used his father's. Um, debit card, not even credit card, man. Debit card and <laughs> equivalent of one thousand two hundred dollars on that game and some other game combined. <laughs> wow! Oh man, bloody hell! I wish I had that money. <laughs> and... I would use it to pay for more Roblox, obviously. Roblox, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah right. and. And Let's use it to, to buy more DLCs. <laughs> DLC. Yeah, and what's shocking to me is that these game companies, uh, not just in game companies, game publishers, and these gotcha game companies, says they already outlined it. It's, they're not doing something illegal. Like the rates, they, they, already, they say they already put off gamers to not play the gotcha system because so they claim that the, the, they're already transparent with the gotcha system being not fair. Like, for example, they, according to fake grand order, they shoot the pool rates. When they say pool rates, they mean what's the likelihood you will pull as you pay money to get, I play the Russian roulette, basically to get that one bullet, well, one, one character, this rare saber or rare Gil- Gilgamesh. Mm. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wait. Oh, you're right there, mate. Oh, I guess he's having some uh, technical. Uh, yeah. Seems like it. And, oh, yeah, the brain's getting worse as well now. It is, isn't it? It's so dark outside. Gosh, it's the middle of summer, but it looks like it's like evening. Oh, sorry about. Um, I got a call from from my parents. <laughs> oh, okay, it makes sense. Um, no. I should have said this earlier. Um, I got my a call from my mom. Like they, she, she oh, lives. No. She's on business trip, right? And the area she was in, she she lived in like um she rented a small um she she's at my uh, her friend's place and they have this like it's you know where where Denver is not Denver not Denver sorry Cornwall why they called Denver oh, <laughs> Cornwall, Cornwall. Uh, you know where Cornwall, Cornwall is so there was yeah, a villa yeah. that she was renting out there right and she just called me saying that 
the 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 area in Cornwall is like the rain is so bad. She literally said there is hailstorm. Okay. Love hailstorm. Sorry, yeah. can you hear me? Uh, <laughs> love me a hailstorm. In fact, I wouldn't I be surprised. Yeah, I actually hope that doesn't happen again. I actually hope the flood doesn't happen again, like like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <sighs> can you hear me? Oh. Yeah, we can hear you. We've been able to hear you. Yeah, cause we can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. I'm just. I'm, I'm just. I'm just on Google. Like, like looking for shops that give good, <laughs> like give good price for my for the new new iPads. Yeah, iPad. Okay. Yeah, I just need to like. Yeah, I'm 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 just on the internet about looking at iPad cables because I want to buy a new one after they just snapped. Okay. Have you used Amazon Prime? I think they maybe have better price in there. Let's see Amazon. Oh gosh, yeah, there's lots of money going so on now. Like, London. I, I heard there's a lot of Wi-Fi that's gone out. You know? Yeah, Charging it's a huge maybe. storm. And assuming like power lines and things might be affected. Oh gosh, mm, that's so bad news. Yeah, and yeah. also another thing. Interestingly, thank you, Tarek, for for giving me another thing about games as service. Another thing is games as service can never be a physical product. Mm. The, I read, I almost forgot what the, uh, what the Escapist magazine guy and like uh, the, the Frank and the John, John Mew, they both work for, you know, Yazzie, you know Yazzie, right? Right. Yazzie, the Guy who talks very quickly, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, his on his workers who work on like trying to find new ideas for them to speak about. Uh, John Mills, uh, I think he, I think he's, he may still be working there. But last time I spoken to was half a year ago. He um he told me that games as a service are essentially digital only based game. They 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 they. There are sometimes physical copies of the game, but they're rare. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it does make sense because you've already bought the game, you know, so you don't technically have to keep paying. Uh, I would literally, like I say, Destiny is one of the few examples of that where you pay, you pay for a game that's like five minutes worth of content. Um, <laughs> and then, like, to get the rest of the game, you have to keep paying. Um uh, due to how small content you actually get with the game, I would personally consider that game as a service because they're literally, like, I'd say, like, a good 90% of the game you need to pay for internet, like, uh, the internet stuff. I think you have to have the PlayStation Plus, as well as buy all the DLC. Um, otherwise, you have, like, nothing. Um, games like Spider-Man, though, whoever, you know, it's got its DLC, I would very much not consider it. Um, as a game as a service, uh, because you know, the whole game is there. You know, <laughs> you don't really need the you know the, the sprinkles and cherries on top that come in for a DLC. You know, the full things there. Um, so it does make sense. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. Destiny was the exact uh, was the um, odd one out in this case. It's created by the developers at Bungie who split off from Microsoft. 
but but it doesn't justify what Bungie had done. Open the new kind of horrifying worms that is going to flesh eat you. I mean, man-eating worms. <laughs> right. Explain. <laughs> uh, sorry, I used too many meta metaphors today. Um, the reason why I call it man-eating worms is that. What I'm trying to attribute is that the whole idea of DOC crazy idea and the whole I heard the I heard they have microtransactions now in Destiny 2. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not as uh, it's not as in your face as, as the mobile games. Or well, to my knowledge, I haven't really looked at Destiny 2 in a while, but you know, the, the option's always there. You want to get more of this? Pay two pounds for bullshit. But funny thing, uh, I, I, another thing why I wanted to be careful when I label games as a service, I didn't straight off saying I hate game as a service or I totally think they are scam, scam and I didn't say that much. I didn't yeah. think that total scam. One of the key reasons is why when indie companies use game as a service, these games do flourish. A great example is Warframe. Warframe is a game as a service because the game is not totally finished, not totally dead, and you can't find a physical copy of it anywhere across the world. And the limited events they have and the customization they have is in the hundreds and thousands levels. A lot of choices, opportunities, but it does, the, 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 the Warframe does have its paywall, but the developers use certain tactics to justify it. Um, that's elicit another discussion later on, but the, my core of my argument is that when games as a service are in the right person's hand, in the the person who knows how to control this wild beast that is games as a service, those games come out as an angel compared to other games like Destiny or games mm. like Fate Grand Order and Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I... I stay quite a well away from games like that just because of the type of games that I play. You know, I I always prefer you know games that are always there. I don't. I I like yeah, like uh, in, in most games from Super Giant, for example, where you know you just buy a game, you play a game, it's a good game, and you have a good time. Yeah. But I know uh, that the games are becoming a lot more popular where microtransactions and uh, various forms of essentially just gambling really. Yeah, uh, it's are becoming yeah. More popular. That's true. Um, and people who aren't, you know, wise are, you know, getting sucked into it. Or people that don't want to miss on a trend, you know, some people really just don't want to miss out. And so, well, you know, they feel like they yeah, got to deal with it. Yeah, this will actually, like, and this, in, in fact, does make them, like, impulsive enough to not wait, not wait for, like, yeah, like, like, a, like, from, like, like, few months' time or few years or few years' time. Um, for like big price drops to come and yeah, no one wants to wait. Name me a guy who likes waiting. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like waiting. Maybe, oh, yeah, maybe yeah, I wait for summer sale and um and I'm, uh, I'm not that crazy to buy games that quickly. Yeah, I I told my I told my wife um that we couldn't go out tonight because I I I just had to watch some more paint dry. I I just can't get enough of it, man. I love it. Um, <laughs> 
um, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, Tarek. Um, so uh, you're your great husband because I know uh, some <laughs> friends who has a wife, right? I, and like I, I normally don't make friends with people that it's very young. I don't make friends with people who are younger than me. Like most of my friends are like quite older than me like older than me by two years like there's only a few that are like two years younger than me but the, the, like the yeah. other one who's quite older than me he lives in america right well we used to be not in good terms but we are on good terms now but he told me he has addiction to the game to the, to certain japanese kitty games yeah. <laughs> uh like uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and waifu games like um he, he says he did the reason we made friends because he loved liar and he loved um he loved shit post hell yeah and i enjoyed shit posting too back then when i was very edgy um but um, um but unfortunately because it's american um he doesn't understand british shit post so um it came out as offensive to him he literally said your ship or sometimes what you say you're using vocabulary to describe things that are too big for my brain for my brain you know in gamer terms i think he just needs to get good not gonna lie <laughs> play some dark souls read a dictionary get good scroll no, oh just... dark souls yeah um, that, yeah <laughs> yeah, I love I love the original Dark Souls, but I played Dark Souls 2, I got totally confused. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's the worst one. Not, not gonna uh, lie, I'm I haven't played Dark new to the Dark Souls series. I like the whole lore behind it all, but um I um I decided to just dive in and go YOLO <laughs> Dark Souls 3, no no walkthrough, no nothing. I'm just gonna see how it goes. And yeah, my butt's pretty raw right now, but I, I got through it. Trust um, me, I always check on walkthroughs first before I buy any game. <laughs> Dark Souls 2 was way too difficult for some reason. People say Dark Souls 1 is more difficult than Dark Souls 2. No, Dark Souls 2's map making is so bad, I get lost every time I play it. I get trapped all the time by fucking enemies. Yeah. Anyone played Bloodhound? Never played Bloodhound, no. What's that? Is it a game as a service? It's, it's kind of similar to Dog Souls, Bloodhound. Bloodhound. Yeah. Uh, my question is, do they offer, do they promise people that we're going to get this content of the roadmap as soon as possible? Or, or another thing, I've almost forgot um, Tarek and Ajil to discuss. This is something vital with a lot of games, including games as a service or games as a paid service. That's another, sorry, no, games as a product. That's an alternative to games as a service, which was the traditional model. They both have license agreements, right? right? You know, the URLA, I think they call it. Yeah, URLA. That, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. End of user license agreement. That's the one. So, yeah, yeah. Tarek. So, what do you guys think of end of user license agreements? 
I mean, obviously you need them. Um, I feel like there should be more of a push for... I, I mean, I know it's never going to happen, but like I said, I feel like there should be more of a push just for clarity with everything. So, you know, there's a lot more of a way for people to know exactly what they're getting into. Uh, I feel like it, it's... It, the company does make a lot more money out of people who don't know what's going on, unless um, you, as it were. However, it's also more dangerous to them because they can get sued for stuff way more often. Like, I don't know if you guys heard about the um, Activision and Blizzard, uh, Blizzard lawsuits right now. Oh, um, uh, no, I haven't. Oh, there's actually pretty, pretty some, some pretty spicy stuff going on here, actually. So apparently there's been... This is a slightly different topic, but it is another example of companies uh, doing terrible stuff and feeling like they can get away with it, but being unable to. Um, so essentially, they a lot of really shady stuff was going on behind the scenes. A lot of people would uh, shot, a lot of entire sort of studios would just be drunk all the time and not finish games because they were just too drunk to care. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of like oh, wow. know, sexual misconduct happening um, behind closed doors and people getting paid the wrong amount just because they don't oh, like yeah, there's always scandals like, going just, on in there's yeah there's a whole like and, and trust me there's, there's it, it goes far far worse than that i'm only you know touching the just scratching the surface with all the stuff going on but um but like i say with the eu la's there is it, it it needs to be a sort of safety net for both the customer and the company so they get sued for as little as possible and the customer has no reason to sue or very little reason to sue as much as possible. And that's yeah. what it should be. But the way it is right now, I feel like both people are just trying to finesse each other as much as possible. Yeah, I agree. And I personally think the ULA is, um, sorry, end of user license agreement. It sounds really disgusting if I acronym it. Um, yeah, it's such annoying <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I hear as well. Yeah, and I think maybe if there's a possible a shift away from uh, end of user license agreements towards a bit more transparent, much more um, interactive way of how to say what your rights are, because these are video games. These are not films. Films can just no, no actually, uh, I take that back. Films doesn't better job at e, uh, end-of-user license agreement than video game companies. Mm. Why? Because um, in indie films, that's what I'm talking about, indie films, they have the end-of-user license agreement already spread out on the introduction to the film. They basically have either like the creator of the film or something, they will just do a presentation say, hi, I'm the creator of this indie film, and I hold this amount of rights to it, but if you want to negotiate with something, use our product, we can certainly do be our help, and and if you want the rest of the uh, end of user license agreements, you can go to our website or something, it's like a trailer slash admitting that you have rights, we have rights and stuff, hmm. but unfortunately, Unfortunately, it's not the industry practice. That's the problem. So, um, in that case, uh, we really need some company uh, to sort of break the mold. We're fortunate that we are games. Uh, well, you know, I'm a games design student um, at uh, Middlesex University right now, um, and I know a lot of other games creators or would-be games creators. So. Um, 
I think what's important is that we need to sort of be the change that we want um, in this industry because a lot of the people at the top are kind of just people that only care about money, only care about business. Doesn't really matter what they're selling; they will just they just want to sell it and make a profit, and that's just how business yep. works. Um, but now that we have people that have grown up with games, you know, they got the love of it in their heart, uh, and they're now old enough to be getting into this industry. Now we just need to push on people to actually, you know, make, get the ball rolling and make the changes that we want. You know. Uh, and I was thinking maybe I think in order to support this movement, I was thinking maybe if there's going to be uh, I promote the idea of having a game game designers union or union for game designers or just creative workers working but not exactly game designers. So um, so I think it's better. If, not just game designers, but I think game designers themselves should, um, and it's not a criticism, I think game designers currently are way too far with what they want to accomplish. There's no unified goal. Um, and, and that's how the game publishers exploit game designers for profit. And that is also one of the reasons why have you heard of the term games academics? Games academics? No, I'm not. Yeah, no. so games academics are essentially researchers into games design. Unfortunately, they are uh, they they're not um, they're not they, 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 they're the researchers, right? But then they can only do as so far to address certain issues. Unfortunately, right. what, what we have, unfortunately, in the games industry and now, uh, the games industry shouldn't be doing this. The games industry is investing into game academics to do certain research that benefits the industry themselves, the, 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 the status quo, status mm. quo, as opposed to actually trying to innovate. Um, have you heard of the term immediate stagnation? Immediate what? Immediate stagnation. Oh. Stagnation. So, immediate stag stagnation is what happened to Atari when, when instead of actually innovating, they put out fluff okay. and garbage shovel work. No, I'll be right back. I'm, 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 I'm going to rejoin sure. the thing. No oh. worries. No oh, sorry about that. Um, one of our participants just left. Um, hello, I'm can you hear me? Oh, hello, yes. that's a new voice. Oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm using my laptop because I'm actually five percent because my iPad is like five percent away of dying. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, you changed that. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I, I can't charge my iPad at the moment because you know what happened to my wire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it snapped. <laughs> uh, sorry for, for that. Um, yeah, so what do you think, Ajo? Uh, sorry, um, uh, I, w I think I asked a question. Oh, no, no, sorry, my mistake. <laughs> um, back to what I was saying, um, immediate stagnation. Do you have any questions about that? More questions. Thank you. 
would you would you like okay for the audience listening to us like would you like elaborate on elaborate. yeah kind of okay sure uh, i'll say well, immediate stagnation is uh talking about phenomena within the gaming industry which happens that no other industry happens for some reason um occurs in the industry if you guys remember the video game collapse back in 1984 like uh, atari uh, immediate stagnation when a product stagnates in quality it often happens because of shovelware or copy-paste games or games that have a different flavor to it, but ultimately is the same. And that caused, um, that caused all, uh, that, uh, what caused there was because of um, film, ad- uh, of games adapted, I mean, film adapted into video games, like the E.T. game which caused the immediate stagnation that happened suddenly. And um, when, when, some, when, when a product line that is stagnating, that means the demand for it has ceased, has ceased for the entire year or ceased to an extent. That makes sense. So, so we're talking about E.T. Uh, when, when E.T. was so bad and everyone just kind of stopped caring about the whole video game industry. Yeah, so yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the industry couldn't sustain itself, and it had to be the Atari fell from grace, and a lot of companies went bankrupt. And uh, it was at a point that the Japanese game designers and the companies had to invest money into America and Britain in order to pick up the games industry, get back again, get people's interest back again with Mario. Um, what I'm seeing now is that because of games that is getting ported over to consoles and PCs, not, I think not immediately, unlike before, unlike in the past when there wasn't any filters to, to, like, to support stagnating companies or studios. Unfortunately, we are, because of the pandemic, these filters... I think has been turned off actually. Mm. Um, even though the game journalists like Jason Schreier, they they claim to that no no the games industry are in full confidence right now. I doubt it because like I doubt the games industry uh, like in terms of like not people get too honest about profits. They don't understand is that. Excess profit would disappear if everyone just stops doing it. Mm. People forget it. I think people in general have a really weak understanding of how economics function. And um, and I think games as a service model may actually cripple and usher in another um immediate stagnation of the industry which could cause a further collapse of the industry as we know if this continues games as a service because because my argument here is hmm. if most games because most games that are still indie developers that are making price games but the industry is moving toward free to play models and Fundamentally, early, uh, fundamentally, games as model. 
And um, so because our economy rely on short-time profits, it's so people don't understand our comp companies are so volatile. If they can't make ends meet with the events, how much they invested back, short-term short-term turnovers have to be back in the company's account before the end of every year, like in November, uh, in either November or in December, the, the profits, they need to get back the profits. Over time, they can have a stream flow of profits going on. Big companies, are they consider themselves too big to fail, but they themselves can fail without proper mitigations of these um, problems that they have created themselves. AAA games industry have created their own doom right now. Uh, what I mean by this, creating their own doom, is they have <laughs> inadvertently created um, scenario where it's more favorable to recycle old game models, recycle old games, and sell it to the public as a brand new game when it's not. Mm-hmm. It's so profitable. Uh, um, and honestly, the games industry as a whole, including Japanese, Chinese, and the Western games industry, they learn from each other how to do this business model. They basically recycling old games and charging a massive price tag on it, either in the forms of DOCs, microtransactions in the forms of loot boxes, or uh, gacha systems, gacha games, as in limited times banners. They call it banners now. So in, in, in mobile games, uh, not mobile games, sorry, in console games, like I'm going to talk about Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact is a server-based always online co-op game people say it's a multiplayer game it's not it's a co-op game it's a it's a co-op game because your players cannot versus each other um the 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 reason why i call it co-op and not purely online is because it doesn't satisfy one of the core criteria of multiplayer games you can disagree with me but Personally, I feel like um, see, there's there's a whole lot of things here that are really kind of just just annoying to the average person who just wants to have a good time. Yes. Um, yeah. I feel like if 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 we're gonna go and change things like these, if we're gonna try and push for these things for these companies to get the idea that this is not what we want, this is not what we are buying into um, as people. Um, that want to just have a good time as everyone else, then we've got to look at examples that do something different and still get great success. So I'm thinking if we, I mean, yeah, there's games like Genshin Impact that are really just kind of just just cashing in on, wow, you like anime titty, you like gambling, but not really gambling. Here's game, look, anime titty, but not really gambling. You know, and you know, you can list a thousand different games that are doing the exact same thing right now. Yeah. Um, but there are also, like I say, other games that aren't doing these things, and yes. people don't really know why they go so well, but they do. We've got Undertale is a big example. Even yes. to this day, like I'm watching, I'm hearing about people having like let's plays and like posting, you know, never before played this game. I wonder what it's like. People are still buying into this one game. It's one game that's been sold again and again on different consoles, which in itself is a bit of a bit of a dodgy practice. But even still, you know. A game like Undertale is an indie game, 
you know, with no microtransactions and pure on the story and has no real need for aesthetics. It's all eight, it's all like 16 bit more or less. Um, I agree. You get lots of, you get lots of uh, examples of games like these all over, even things like tabletop games. I'm seeing a rise in tabletop games now that maybe it's maybe due to Corona being more, you know, Corona sort of pushing people together a little bit more potentially or wanting to be together more seeing games like Exploding Kittens in most supermarkets now, um, which is a relatively new tabletop game that's quite popular. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. We're talking about Undertale. Ajo, continue. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Ajo. No, I didn't say anything. Okay. Oh, oh never mind. My, the wood in your place is delayed. That's why. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, um, yeah Tarek, you made a, a very awesome point. Thank you for bringing up Undertale. I was about to say Doki Doki Literature Club for some reason. <laughs> um, That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a great idea. Right, um, this, this, funny thing, Doki Doki Literature Club, what does Undertale both have in similar? Other than the anime aesthetics, um, they both are ba based on indie uh, games, right? But they both deconstruct the genres very well. Mm. They both deconstruct, like Undertale deconstructed the whole idea of like the omniscient and the omnipresent main character. Mm. To be honest, character undertow is more of like she, she's not exactly she's gifted but she's not you, you know what classify a normal hero in a rpg like she's not link she's not zelda she's not princess peach yeah. she's just a person trying to find out what is going on and um, in Doki Doki Literature Club, it's the same thing, but it's a different thing now. Um, you, you can customize the name of your character, but you don't have a sprite. You can only get the gist of what's happening when you interact with Monica and other girls. Mm. And yeah, um, because these games deconstruct these notions, even though they are playing with the cliches, like Doki Doki Literature Club play with the um, harem school uh, club um, cliche and twist them and make them new thing and deconstruct them and really this is not your so-called male fantasy game. It's actually a horror game. And Undertale is they're both revolutionary in their own pace and while they didn't have microtransactions but there's a reason why I wanted to point out Genshin Impact, the reason. Because when Genshin Impact was about to be released, it was considered, it was being released by China, right? Such a big game. But the game developer themselves, made up of famous indie developers, what's shockers to you is that these are indie developers that have decided to, I don't know, like, uh, like push out the moral reasoning and forget about the whole idea that constructed the video games and decided to go on. No, 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 no. Basically what I'm saying, Genshin Impact developers betrayed the gamers. And I just want to admit before I become a hypocrite myself is that <laughs> I used to support the studio, MiHoYo. I yeah. used to them very much. I paid hefty sum for them. I paid at least 150 quid right. for them. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and and 
and I'm just so gobsmacked at why they would do this. They would they would do this, and they they would. I don't know. Like I will when Genshin Impact was announced, I thought it was a bad idea. I saw you. I spoke to people the, who were funding the companies and f- like indirectly and famous influencers. What what made I think Genshin Impact really successful? It was the power of influencers. Undertale was, I think I might be wrong, but Tarek, you can dispute this, but. Is it is this true that Undertale became a bit famous because of YouTube in influencers? Um, honestly, I think that might be the case. I mean, everybody knew it was a really good game already. It had a lot of it had it met like I can't remember the amount that it went over its Kickstarter, but I know it was like it, it smashed its target massively for its Kickstarter campaign. Um, and then you know, all at the same time, everyone. I mean. It's, it's very easy to see why a game like Undertale would get so big just because it did so many things that games just didn't do. It was so meta. You know, yeah. it called out the player for doing things that normal players would just do and think and feel and, you know, genuinely good dialogue and all this stuff that people would just genuinely, you know, want to see when they're playing a game that they want to like. Um, yeah. So it does make sense. I, I personally did find about find out about it uh, because a lot of the people on YouTube were doing Let's Plays of it, and I'm sure that's how a lot of other people caught wind of it. Um, but the game itself, you know, it it didn't buy that attention. Uh, it, it, it very much earned it. Um, earned it. Yeah, it's earned it. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, there are indie games that have bought the attention through influencers, but there are special cases like Undertow that could be a mix of both. But I'd like to argue that for Doki Doki Literature Club, because I really like it, uh, <laughs> and um, it's indie, and it's free-to-play indie, uh, yeah. which has a cool, cool DLC system. Um, the, the, the Doki Doki Literature Club did something what that... Uh, they did what visual novels failed to do, is that they guaranteed... They guaranteed, um, like back then when visual logos were considered just adventure, they guaranteed mechanics that normal visual novels don't think of doing, and which made it prominent because of its scenarios and its because of how amount of choices you had in Doki Doki that far away a lot of other visual novels, which made the gameplay replayable, even though it's the same story. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so so that's one of the reasons maybe play was, and I think, I, I don't want to credit one YouTuber, but I think Markiplier and... Yeah, yeah. Classic. A multiplayer himself who was encouraging people to look at Doki Doki Literature Club. And I think that's how you got hot on Steam. Yeah, and same thing with Five Nights at Freddy's as well. Yes. Fire Nights Praise. Yes. I haven't watched Markiplier for a long time. So yeah. <laughs> I miss out a lot. I need to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think this is another case. Have you heard of the... You know the Destiny... A player who stopped playing Destiny and started playing Genshin Impact. That guy who everyone hates now. I forgot his name. Like I, I, he's such a terrible YouTuber. But the way he 
did the YouTube videos really attracted uh, who, who got Westerners to gain a foothold into try out Genshin Impact? Um, Hmm. Wait, you know, wait, which YouTuber are you talking about? Uh, the, the disgusting, um, the, sorry, the, 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 the lying Destiny player YouTuber, I think his. I don't know the one. I know there are a few, uh, but I didn't know what happened to them after I stopped investing in Destiny. Just, let, me, let me just find out, see which one. He just comes out saying that don't play this game, but outright. Let me see. A YouTuber who's the calls it predatory. This guy calls it predatory. This guy calls the game predatory, but decides to say, let's play it. Mutashed. Mutashed. What was shitty name? Like difficult name. <laughs> Mutash. Uh, I've not heard of him. Yeah, no, this because of Genshin Impact. But this guy, he says, I can play free-to-play account with Genshin Impact. And he got somewhat large success because of that role. But he also bashed the game. But the funny thing is, he bashed the game. And then, regardless of that, he just he, he hypocritically bashed the game and continued playing the game. I do, um, I do have respect for people that have the balls to talk, talk smack about a game. Um, like for example, you've got Muraha uh, from some ordinary gamers who is probably the only one of the only big YouTubers that I have been watching recently that never ever once did a oh did he once I can't remember if it was him now gosh I know there was a it was Rage Shadow Legends um, and he absolutely hated it because of how bad it was as a company. I think he did maybe one and then realized how bad the game was after it had been bought out by a casino company. Um, and then made a couple of videos saying, don't get it, it's a bad game. It might have been Mudahar, I think it was. Uh, I could be mistaken, it could be someone else. But I do definitely remember someone pretty big doing that and them being the only ones that don't do that. And oh, you know what I'm thinking? Tarek, Tarek, funny thing, thank you for mentioning Mudahar because Mudahar did a video on Genshin too. Ah. You, you know who I was thinking? You know who I'm thinking? Yeah, Joe? Angry Joe, if you know him. Angry Joe, that's familiar. That's yeah, familiar. Angry, Joe, Angry Joe, the guy who does critical reviews about being like, what yeah. you a lot of like yelling and such. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I know the guy. Yep. He's also one of the best, well, one of the best YouTubers to, to look at as well, especially when it comes to like, when it comes to game reviews. Like, okay. yeah, trust me. When he when he reviews about games, like he's literally on point about what they're, what they're about, and he explains, and he ex explains in detail like why he's so critical about it, and like like what the issue about the issue of the game is, and such. But hmm. like, in a comedic and fact in a factual way as well. Yeah, like you yeah. should definitely check out Angry Joe. Okay, Angry Joe. I've only seen one or two of his videos. I don't watch him too frequently, but I, he's definitely been on my radar. Angry. Yeah, Angry Joe is one of the best YouTubers to look at, especially when it comes to game reviews. All right. It comes to like best game, like top best games and top, well, well, top shit games and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, Angry, Angry Joe is one of the best YouTubers to look at when it comes to this.
All right, fair enough. I will keep that in mind myself. Um, but yeah, freaking. I can't remember what I was going to say. But yeah, no, I do think I, if we if there is going to be any sort of change, it's got to come from something that's very much influenced by people that actually enjoy playing games that have substance, you know. And like I mentioned, Super Giant Games um, before, that is an amazing, amazing company. It's quite small. It is an indie company, but they've come out with games like, for example, Hades is the most popular one they've come out with. They made Hades. One of my favorite games is Transistor. Also came from them. Um, and again, fully priced, very much for the players. They do recycle their like their sort of assets a little bit here and there. The games still sort of feel and look quite similar, but very much different enough that they're very they're, they're very much their own games. It's kind of like a sort of signature, I would say. Um, and we need we need more of that, you know. That I feel like stuff like that, where you can really feel the personality of the of the people making the game, stuff yeah. like that is what could potentially just you know save save gaming as it is as, as it were from the you know the tech giants and the people that want to farm your wallet yeah yeah from yeah. Yes, totally i agree 100 percent. i think personally i'm going to stop uh, investing in things like nintendo um because again they have a lot of practices that kind of kind of just kind of say that they don't give a crap about their fans um the whole pokemon sword and shield i have a chip on my shoulder about because they have more money than marvel movies and yet they be rush games i have pokemon sword speaking of that yeah they, they have very rushed uh very they have very rushed and very under sort of undercooked is the word i'd use very undercooked games but the reason their reasoning for it uh they, they choose to be dishonest about despite everything that they have at their disposal and just things like that, where people, where the games companies are treating people as numbers as opposed to individuals, um, I feel like that's that's what that's sort of a plague going around at the moment in the sort of gaming industry, and that is what needs to be focused. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, to, I want to chip in uh, um, because the atmosphere feels quite strong now. We we're get, getting somewhere now, so we're actually thinking of now, and. Um, yeah, I feel like um, I feel like um, you made a lot of strong points about how, in its in essence, consumers could support. In essence, consumers could look to super giant games and other studios like it that is trying to. Uh, for, uh, basically, for the gamers and have a passion yet and not greedy um, bureaucrats from the tech companies like like Bill Gates, um, Microsoft, who want to microtransaction every game. Mm. Yeah, so um, I have some good news. Like, I, um, I know some Eastern game developers that still still the the, the 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 they had some fooling out but they not with me but fooling out with the <laughs> the publishers but they in essence the principles are still there um there's some great companies i think in the east that haven't um sold out the souls yet so uh, i could give you some some name uh funny thing is that what 
uh, in the East, for some reason, is that the, the, there are some mega corporations that do care about gamers a lot, but they're very clumsy. They're very clumsy and very, mm. what's that called? Don't understand um, what exactly they want. So I think Capcom is a great, Capcom Studios, I think they're great. Right. Uh, they're great, but the senior managers recently having too much say on what they're doing. The Capcom's the team behind Resident Evil 2 and the team behind Devil May Cry 5, they're mm. some of the best the Capcom has came out, including the uh, Phoenix Wright team. They're some of the best that Japan yeah. offer. Um, Shadow but, of Rome as well, if you ever played it. Shadow of Rome, yeah. I haven't heard yeah, that. As well, that is one of the best PS2 games I've ever played in my life. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one, that. Yeah. I, I wish they, they, make, they make more of games like that, but with Master Version. Funny. Yeah, Shadow Rome. Oh, funny thing, uh, like, back then when I had PS2, like, Shadow... Uh, back then on PS2, I did not like action games. I listened directly, but when I played like um, a bit of a strategy tactical, like Sh Shadow of Rome, I, it made me fall in love with um, the core mechanics and the content and yeah. the story as well. Story as well, yes. Yeah, the story. Yeah, and uh, there are so many great games that were so full of passion back then on the PS2. There was Final Fantasy VII and RPGs, JRPGs, and there was, uh, uh, what was the game that I really liked that people somehow did not like? There was a racing game I really liked, Burnout. Oh, Burnout. Burnout. I never played Burnout, but I see what you mean. Yeah, Burnout. I know it's pretty popular. Burnout was technologically innovation. It was a technological marvel of the time. You know why? It had 60 frames per second for PS2. <laughs> PS2, 60 frames per second. That is special. That's 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 cool. That. Yeah, and you keep it continually onto the Xbox, original Xbox, and the Xbox 360. Mm. Frames per second. No, no, no. Sorry, my mistake. The Xbox version could go up to ninety frames per second. It was a very quick game. Burnout, Burnout, two wow. and three. I I started with Burnout two and loved it. Yeah, there are some great recent games, but unfortunately, Burnout has died. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, that's sad. That was back when people made games because they wanted to make a good game, a game that they thought would sell because it was good. And, you know, that practice just kind of is absent these days, um, you know, because there is just better ways of making money, i.e. exploiting people by cheating their works, kind of. Using <laughs> like psychological <laughs> tactics. Yeah, just yeah, kind of just cheating the players that they're trying because, to get. Because obviously, psych like psychology is the key behind all all these like manipulative tactics. Yeah, manipulative tactics. Yes. Yeah, because uh, of course, like when it comes to like developing games, like there there always has to be psych psychology behind it. Like, have you heard of like psychology 
psychology in gaming. Yes, I heard. The yeah, flow yeah that, that's in fact one of the key reasons why, like, like game like game companies use like, well, scamming tactics to manipulate, yes. well, manipulate consumers to buy their games and such, or, or because of, well, it's quite funny tactics. I know, no, uh, it's psychological tactics. But the funny thing is, yeah. with the psychologist, originally the psychologist, I doubt, uh, Doctor Miss Rahili, um, <laughs> his name is quite long. I can't write it down for you if you ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was a great psychologist. He analyzed not just games. The original theory wasn't just applied to video games. He doesn't know video games, but he applied it to people who were in the room, who were working, who were because they were working in the niche or they were making something and they were in the room. They couldn't be disturbed. They were all the concentration was on doing this activity. So he looked at the psychology and he looked out and uh, he, he pointed out where the drone is and using a, a, a flowchart graph, I think, flowchart. Yeah. And and you showed that um, when people like when people feel boredom, they snap out of the being in the drone and I think f the flow theory explained a bit about how video games are fun, how video games are designed to be fun and addictive. But um, the funny thing with um, Mr. Healy is that the he said, he himself said, that the flow zoom is, even though people consider the flow zoom is very important, it's deeply to try to get players into the, the drone or get participants into the drone. He argued that the uh, the, the the drone is very small. The amount of space in order to psychologically manipulate the, the participants into being in the drone is very, it's not difficult to put them in the drone, but it's very difficult to sustain them for a long time. Hmm. Yeah, so that's the shortcomings of, uh, I think, being in the drone is because, like, in the end, if somebody has to be disturbed in order to be snapped out of it, right? They can't always be hyper focused in doing one activity. It's bound to make someone bored. So, in order to correct the shortcomings of uh, the flow theory, as you say, the industry decided to adding these manipulation tactics like the gutter system, the pachinko machines, and this promised season pass and early access content in order to drive the person back into the drone system. Mm. And I personally think it's crossing the ethical boundary. Yeah, you shouldn't because people have lies. If you're going to, uh, if you're going to make a gamer, you're going to make a gamer constantly play. They're going to be exhausted. They're going to die. They're going to die. I'm sorry. If they're by themselves, they're going to die. They're not going to eat. There have been cases where, where the players who had exhaustion and literally died from dehydration. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yes, this is not laughing matters. And no, it's true. It's incredible. And, yeah. and unfortunately, I'm sorry, guys, but I want to say I want, want to crack because some majority of, the... of gamers because majority of gamers like they 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 are in fact under well heavy 
well depression and because of because of the things that they've been going through in their lives and stuff like that and many many of which were in fact well well unpleasant of course i mean like really unpleasant which 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 makes them like unpleasant enough to make them like really distressed and and which cause them to just constantly play video games and not socialize with anybody mm -hmm. outside their home things like yeah. that and yeah yeah this is the matter of fact that is actually is actually true about a lot of people in this world and yeah it is it, it is a sad matter it is it is one of the main issues with the world right now is that it's not profitable to care about people and in a, this is probably the one of the worst times in recent history for people not really caring about each other uh, the people that have the potential to make a difference in others lives focus more about lining their own pockets and you know making bigger and bigger stacks of cash that all go absolutely nowhere um, yeah. People yeah. have a holding problem. People, I think people, uh, in addiction-wise, has a holder holding problem. Like, um, like, um, okay, okay, self-admission. I used to be a holder myself, so I know how it feels. Um, uh -huh. uh, well, technically, my father was a holder, so he he holds basically part relics. He call it artifacts, relics, which are. Honestly, he considered to be like really expensive, right? So I kind of learned it from my father. I, I used to like use my pocket change and buy paintings and stuff and buy electronics and collect gadgets and stuff. I used to collect a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh cards, by the way, and spent hundreds of money on it. I really them. Yeah, and um, I don't like it. I, I, I eventually slapped out her. Because I had therapy, because of my autism, I had therapy, and that's right. not. So um, it's not a great experience because it was it was the like like people who hold money they they essentially have the same similar problem to me. It's just on different material matter, and unfortunately, people nowadays only see people as. Sorry, no, people nowadays during the pandemic, and I think even now, they think that people are disposable, they should be used and for, for yeah. their own gains. For their own financial oh, personal gain. Yeah, if I've learned anything from the pandemic, is that uh, <laughs> people only care about themselves. Uh, not all people, but a lot more people than we'd think. Uh, I'm just thinking about. I'm just thinking yeah, back yeah. to all of that that toilet paper hoarding. Um, yep. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that toilet paper just kind of it just said it all, really. Uh, as much as we want for people to be like, you know, it, we want for everyone to be a hero. We want everyone to be nice and chill. But then mm -hmm. when it comes to themselves, that kind of goes out the window. They only really care for number one, which you know, it, it's it's not what any society needs or wants. Um, so I guess it's got to be down to the few to make a difference in that department. Uh, so that, 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 in terms of basically everything we've talked about here so far, in terms of, you know, uh, games as a service being focused on exploiting, you know, the uh, desires of consumers in all their shapes and sizes, um, in terms of attitudes towards gaming in general by the higher-ups, people that own the games themselves, you know, and, and these things are really only changeable if we give examples of more profitable ways of doing things that are also more ethical. Um, yeah, more ethical. Yeah. 
And I feel like that personally, that's going to be sort of my focus going forward uh, with stuff like this, at the very least. That's great. I am going to have to go, though, guys. Um, Thanks, Tarek. How much longer is the uh, stream for? Oh, we have certain. Uh, we have uh, around ten minutes left. Oh, okay. So, I'll stay so I'm sorry, um, Tarek, because um, the minimum, like for for guest speakers, like you know, no podcast they can last up for three hours. But I checked the minimum time for podcasts in order to inform people thoroughly is unfortunately two hours. And uh, okay, I mean, podcasts can keep going. I'll stay yeah. though because we're near the end now. Um, yeah, when you're at the end, well, so I, I just want to add something interesting to what you said, Tarek. Yeah, yo, have you, Tarek, have you um, thought of be a, become a public speaker or something, or like, uh, <laughs> or like uh, try to be the next Total Biscuit? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I know I can do pretty good. To, like, I've had a lot of experience with stuff like this before, so I, uh, I, I kind of know. You know how to conduct myself in there, but um, I, yeah, I do want to get more involved in uh, fields like this and you know stuff like that, even within my own university. So um, yeah, if anyone's got any stuff for me to do, I, I'd be down. <laughs> Great. Yes. Um, before we end on the game as a service, um, I just like to thank Ajo and Tarek for contributing, and. Um, and for the audiences out there, I think some audience may have questions. I'll just expand a bit about the legality, talk about the legality of games as a service, because I I think we deviated a bit and we, we I think we we, 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 we contribute greatly. But I think in terms of the law, I said um, it's. The, the lawyers themselves that I have speaking to, they say the games industry compared to other forms there could be changes to the law. They're optimistic about it, but they also said that certain attacks like on claiming games as a service is a fraud could be unwarranted. Like the American lawyers themselves claim that the American constitution covers about the rights of what to be like, like for some reason, they argue that the the people who uh, who accepted the end of user license agreement, they have to be com- uh, um, they, they, if they're above age of eighteen or thirteen, they have to be um, responsible for their own spending actions according to law, and that criticism of these practices whether brutal or predatory or ethical um if you say it in a negative light or they call it a lawyer they call it witless bias they won't allow it because the, uh, when you're going to criticize something you have to be balanced i understand you can be balanced but for a consumer who is criticizing these policies they may not know about how these game companies work personally because some of them are game company secrets. So you don't know what the license agreement actually is or is it a fully full license agreement? And I think it's, to me, I think it's very unfair that 
Britain and the European countries have to look at the American jurisdiction, uh, compare themselves to American jurisdiction and the Supreme Court to come to a conclusion regarding the ethics and this ethics of games as a service in general. And yeah. And um, okay, um, on positive note before we end, Tarek, I do know I do I do have some contacts in the uh, law law industry. There are there are grassroots there are grassroots movements that are starting that like um, they support right to repair as well as the right to own a game as a digital copy game because mm-hmm. you know even Steam is uh, is a corporate. They're not a victim, they're culprit. Mm. Um, certain games like Steam, you're only buying a license for that game. You're not, you don't hold the entire rights to the game. You only have, some of the game companies does want this. You buy the full, con- you buy the $60 games, but you only have a temporary license. So mm. in game as a service at all, so the the game developers can decide to say, oh, no, this game is not profitable enough. We'll shut the game down. So after the termination of the game, you not you no longer own the game at all. You no longer own the game when the license is terminated. Would would you guys think of that? I do remember something about the the Google Stadia. That was one of the main issues people had with it because we know Google likes to randomly you know do some big new project and then when they realize no one cares they just completely drop it um and i remember a lot of people were really concerned that if they bought any games for the stadia it would be you know and and google didn't really like that they weren't getting much profit out of it potentially um you know they could lose all of their progress uh purely because google didn't want to you know stick with uh, it so that's all their progress all their games they have no way of recovering it and that was yeah. a very real concern. It's the main reason why I don't know anyone who has a Stadia. Um, <laughs> I don't have a Stadia, so... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a Stadia. Yeah. I don't have a Stadia. And yeah, I think you li- neither of the audio podcast listeners should get a Stadia. <laughs> and so does... And I wanted to say as well that the Japanese and the Chinese are not guilt-free either. They themselves have literally been hypocrites. They they swore a promise to the gamers and they totally backstabbed most of the gamers who had faith in the Eastern games industry. Now what they're doing in the Eastern games industry, they decided to throw away the good qualities and focus on rather to appeal to the Westerners. I, I think the Eastern game industry people are not doing it because they're selfish. I think they're trying to get a foothold into the market because in the West, the Call of Duty monopoly and other game companies like EA have a massive monopoly on what games can be sold in America and the European Union. So because of because the companies have to buy into trends, have to accept current like trends like game as a service so they have to do game as a service because they're competing against western companies that are doing game as a service and to me i think they shouldn't because they should instead be the rebel 
they should be the like the rebellion against the empire as opposed to sticking with EA. Hmm. I agree. I agree. With that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, guys. Um. For contributing today, I know it's really long now. Do you guys want to end the podcast? Or... No, no, I think you made some good points there. Um, I do think people just need to be more confident. To um, you know, there, there, there are people with lots of money that will give you money for doing things that they want you to do. For example, EA, um, whether it's moral or not. But there are also many greener pastures away from these dodgy deals, and I feel like people need to be more. Confident in you know taking a chance and trying to find them. Yeah, in yeah, in the games industry, yes. Um, oh, oh, I almost forgot. I I want to say something. Um, the reason why, um, maybe because Aju knows me, why I was quite pissed when I think of Genshin Impact or other gacha games like, uh, home, uh, of like Fate Grand Order is because. You know, um, I, I, you, you might be surprised, but I used to be, I used to, I, I used to be like indirect supporter of the whole idea of a gotcha if it's cosmetic only. If the gotcha is cosmetic only, because I don't care about skins, I just mm-hmm. care about the play. But later on, these game developers decided to, how about we're going to limit the player's enjoyability by having them. Having characters limited to a gutter banner, and so you have to roll, you have to beg your life in front of screen that you're going to get that new limited time characters. Like mm. I'm against this. Like I I'm for equal e- equal opportunity for gamers to access to the same content, even in free to play games. The only thing that free to play games. I think they should be allowed to do to charge money for is to have a significantly overpowered or hyper level of that character. Like for example, the base character you can get free to play is uh, uh, rank A and rank B character or rank S. But for the pay to uh, for the whales, the people who pay in order to get higher reward on characters, they should be allowed to pay for like. Get a super rare character like a triple S or tri- a double S or single S character. I agree. Yeah, they should definitely yeah. Do definitely do. But, yeah, definitely do that. But um, I'm totally against the whole idea. If you want to test out this new character of permanently, test out get this character permanently. Even if it's a weaker character permanently, you have to go through the whole gotcha system, and. To me, I personally played Genshin as well. So I played it for three months and not continuously. I played it when I had the chance. And I noticed that all these characters that I wrote that I got rare, they have duplicates of them. So when you get duplicates of the same character, they only become uh, more powerful. So basically, you, you have to unlock characters from from the gotcha banners, from the... Or the, or the daily wishes, some like it's like a safety net for if you couldn't roll this this character within ten rows, you get a free, um, free character of your choice. I think that's a good idea, but it also has its caveats because you have to spend at least twenty five dollars, I think, in order to unlock 
no, no, permanently unlock this supporting feature, which is already, I think, why? Why you have a gate to that feature? So, um, why? a whole different sort of issue as well, though, because once you even unlock that character, yeah. lo and behold, there's a giant, you know, power, uh, there's difficulty spike, and uh, it looks like you need to unlock the same character lots of times so you can power them right. up. Yeah, level up. You have to level up to level. level. You have to you have to unlock the character tokens a tokens, thousand yeah. more tokens. times. Otherwise, more time, yes, or up to level six, then you can fight this difficult monster. But but oh, the yeah. game runners claimed that the only difference is how long you can defeat the enemy. But 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 I dislike this idea because essentially. If you want to, the, the game the game designer said this instead. I mean, who you? They said you wanted to make it fair. We're going to decrease the difficulty of some of the bosses. Like what? You're going to make it less challenging for for players to fight. Um, it's a slippery. To me, it's a double edged sword because there are players who want a challenge deliberately underscoring the characters for a challenge there are also characters who want to um to uh, beat it so easily like a dynasty warrior game and but in order to satisfy had to balance the game i disagree the idea of dumbing down the ai to make it much easier for people to beat it uh, it's just uh, me yeah, I, I don't like that's boring like the game has to, the game needs the game needs like like for example okay like like i talked about earlier like psychology behind the games like like the games well in my in my perspective games should involve challenges just so that the, the game can become even more engaging to gamers in general or as as majority of gamers love challenges in the game I won't say too hard, nor too easy, just completely balanced, and, okay. and well, enough, just like enough amounts that that keeps the gamers engaged with the game and entertained. Yeah, totally. I agree. I agree. I agree. Totally agree. And yeah, Iju, you sound like a professional game designer that graduated, and not 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 just graduated, but had experience working in indie studio. <laughs> uh, trust me, I've I've never I've, I've never well worked in any game industries. I'm, I'm not I'm not really a game designer. Oh, well, well, in my course, computer science, like we we in one of one of the modules, we do pretty much similar, but games development. But you know, like computer graphics. Oh, computer graphics. <laughs> That's yeah. why. You love... Yeah, we actually do that in computer science. Like we actually develop a, we do in fact develop our own game on Unity. Okay. Yeah, but we do we do in fact in, in in well include scripting well because game well computer science is well ma mainly well coding and such that that's what we mostly do. Yeah, scripting, cool. Yeah, computer yeah. science. Yeah, I find yeah, as a long time gamer, yeah, I'm yeah I'm talking yeah I'm speaking out speaking out my own perspective and as well as my own personal experience and. And 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 that's in fact, well, like me being glad of speaking out on on behalf of every single gamer out there in the world, and as I, as I said, that that loves balanced challenges in the game. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Mm, 
That's great. Yeah. And challenges in the game. Yes. That's what well, I think the point we can continue on. So, yeah, how, how, how are we sure? Because subjectively speaking, some people may not like the challenge. Uh, you really um, making challenges is a bit difficult because you're going to piss off some and you will make some people love you so much for some. Dark Souls is one game. And, yeah. Alone and, in the Dark as well. Like, well, if, if, I don't know if you ever played Alone in the Dark. Yes. It's one of those, it's one of those old PS2 games, but I'm sure you can play on other consoles as well. Oh, like, yeah, I remember I played Alone in the Dark, and yeah, there's a lot of challenges in that game, a lot. And it, it does pretty much well annoy the shit out, well, annoy the hell out of you. And But it's actually fun. There's a lot of fun things in okay. Alone in the Dark. So I actually recommend you to like check out the walkthrough and and if if you can if you want have a have a play have have, have like have a go playing this game and and see for yourself. Great. Thank you for the recommendation. I will certainly look into it. Uh, uh so this is a question for Ajo or Tarek if you guys want to respond in any other fashion. So what do you guys think of fetch quests? So what's that? Fetch, fetch quest. Fetch quest. Uh, I don't really... Uh, I mean, it depends on the game, in all honesty. It, it really does. It, some games, it, it, it's really fun to go through the world, and it's fun to backtrack and find new things and discover new things. It's quite interesting. It's like an adventure. Yeah. And then there's games where it's not. And it's very clear that the fun part of the game is not going back and looking at the world. It's, you know, progressing through the plot via cutscenes or doing the hype boss fights and stuff like that. Um, which obviously you're not going to miss, you're not going to encounter while you're doing a just a run across town and talk to this man. Quite fetch quest. Um, For me personally, I do love games that have like a lot of quests, quests in them, like, like for example, Skyrim. In yeah. They have, well, of course, as we all know, like, well, anyone who plays Skyrim will definitely know and understand this, is that Skyrim has, like, like countless and countless of quests, and and, and they're, they're actually, like, really interesting quests. Well, a lot of them, at least, is... is but when it comes to, like, quests, well, as long as th those quests make pretty much sense and... And what do you call it? They're more, which quite more, more related to the story story of the game and things like that. And I noticed that, especially when it comes to like, on let's say for example in Skyrim, if you do like some some quests, especially like some side quests, yeah, you get to unlock, well, unlock or actually instead of unlock, I'll say well, you get to well, you, you get to find or be given new weapons or armors and things like that. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, when it comes, so about fetch quests, yeah, when it comes to quests like that, that this is, in fact, one of the things that I personally, like, enjoy the most. I see. Ooh. 
Yeah, of course. Um, a lot of players have their own, um, favorite kind of perspective quests. But what I found recently in most open world games is that, uh, a lot of open world games I played is they're so primarily focused on fetch quests that they literally forgot what what the point of fetch quest was to i think originally speaking my understanding of fetch quest is for the player to go from a to b and during that journey there will be interesting twists or interesting obstacles that present a challenge yeah encounters as well yes unfortunately um uh, open world games especially that open world games run online kind of like I played Elder Scrolls Online, they kind of suck because they lack unique encounters. They, oh, yeah. they are... I remember I played Elder Scrolls Online and it is nothing, it's not close to Skyrim. Yeah, it's so different. And yeah. I, I, I'll tell it's, you... It's not bad, I could say. It, it's not bad to be fair, but but it's not... It's, 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 but it's pretty much different to Skyrim. Sorry, Henry, carry on. So sorry, I need to fix my um <laughs> microphone. It's it's giving me a bzzz noise. Um, wait yeah, a second. Take your time. Take your time. Okay. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm back now. I had to, um, you know, my external microphone that I could connect, I connect to my Android tablet, it just randomly disappears. Like, no, not disappears, ra- randomly disconnects. <laughs> oh, yeah, that happens a lot. And then when it disconnects, it makes a buzzing noise. Yeah, that's annoying. I hate that as well. I hate that a lot. Yeah. Guys, I do have to head off now. I did it's probably really cold at this point. Um, it's been a pleasure to be on, though. Um, it's been a really interesting conversation. It, it was indeed, and um, I'm actually glad to join the pro- podcast again anytime. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear this. Um, if you guys are happy to leave, I, I can end the podcast recording now. And okay. uh, But before you go, Say bye to the um, listeners at home who are listening. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Don't f- never forget about right, that. Everybody. Thanks for having me, everyone. Thank you, thank you, Tarek and Ajil. Hope you have a great day today. Yeah, thank, you for ha- thank you for having me, Henry, and and thank Thanks, you for all the listeners out there tuning in and listening to our podcast. And that yeah, it means you. a lot. It, it really means a lot to us. And and please, if you have any like questions or have any suggestions of what what topics you want us to talk about please let us know and yeah yeah but i, I will run a small short um poll after this maybe tomorrow say what, what the listeners like or what they would want yes and, and one important life lesson for 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 all the for everyone listening to this and it's like when you go when you go 
well when you when you buy when you want to buy games games that okay okay what's, what's the best thing i can put this uh okay uh, when you want to go whenever you want to buy any game any game you want like like don't don't be fooled from what you see on tv and such especially when it comes to especially from adverts because because uh, not everything they show you is like completely true like not everything they show you is is 100 true because because there are times that well because there are cases that that when you when you buy the actual game itself after you've seen seen it advertised on tv or on posters industry or on all the posters on the bus like the posters on the buses or or on billboards or stuff like this or, or from any sort of source that you see don't be fooled or by what what they show you who okay yeah why i recommend why i recommend is is like check the check the like review of the game as well as the walkthrough if you feel that you must and and then make make a final decision like whether you want to buy that game or not after seeing the review who's and 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 most and most importantly don't get too carried away when you want to buy games like save save up your money save up your money for for your life stuff as well but, uh, i think i'm just gonna dip um <laughs> Thanks for having me again, uh, Henry. And and I, I agree with everything Ajor just said there. Uh, everyone, just be smart and do your best. Don't give in to the easy option. Uh, you know, if there's an issue we want to solve, then by golly, you can solve it too. All right. See you. Bye, everyone. Bye, Tarek. Nice having you. Bye. Bye.